0: Let me read. Actually, let me pray first. Father, I just pray for these words. Pray for this scripture. This might be our thousandth Good Friday, or it might be our first. May the scripture come alive this morning afresh, no matter how many times we've heard these stories. May we see it how you need us to see it this morning. May it speak to us how you need it to speak to you this morning. Use these words, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Mark 14. Now, the Passover and the festival on unleavened bread were only two days away. And the chief priests and the teachers of the law were scheming to arrest Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the festival, they said, or people may riot. If you were with us last week, you know there's been a lot of fanfare. Jesus in town. People love him or dislike him or somewhere in between, but tides are turning. People aren't quite sure. But there's something, everybody's in town for Passover and the chiefs are using this as a time to get rid of this guy Jesus who has just embarrassed them, spoke against their religion, even claimed to be God. And so, especially on Palm Sunday, walking through on a donkey as the king returning, they're just done. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper, A woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, Why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wage and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly, telling off this lady, Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly I tell you, whatever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told. In memory of her, and here we are this morning, talking about her. Then Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, went to the chief... Che- Notice he does this straight away after this. Went, one of the twelve went to the chief priest to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted to hear this and promised to give him money, so he watched for an opportunity to hand him over. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when it was customary to sacrifice the Passover lamb, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go and make preparation for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples telling him, go into the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you, follow him. Say to the owner of this house, he enters, the teacher asks, where is my guest room? Where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparation for us there. The disciples left, went to the city and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When evening came, Jesus arrived with the twelve. While they were reclining at the table, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They were saddened and one by one said to him, Surely you don't mean me. It is one of the 12, he replied. One who dips bread into the bowl with me, the Son of Man will go just as is written about him. But woe to the man who betrays the Son of Man, it would be better for him if he had not been born. We'll continue and pick up that story, but here we see the first path some of the disciples are on. And I've called this one Greed and Control. Judas the very first easter treasure, they believe he's treasurer keeping yeah keeping account of the money we know Jesus was supported through his ministry and so he's counting the money he would control the money he knew it would be spent he'd seen think about this Jesus Judas had seen miracles he'd eaten with Jesus he'd spent time with Jesus he's about as close as one of these 12 could get and then some things interrupt him that maybe he realises he's headed south and he's meant to be heading to Brisbane when he sees a lady bring worship that seems reckless and wasteful and you can see him counting the dollar like whatever 60 grand, 80 grand worth of perfume poured over Jesus and you see him thinking that could have gone in a kitty we could have saved that for a rainy day I could have controlled that he thought I could have used that for better things in his mind, for the poor, that's always... You can't argue with that any time. Jesus somehow does. But believe me, and I don't want to argue with that, if anyone says to you, oh, well, the, you could help the poor, what do you got? <laughs> that's a really good argument. Jesus says, well, was always poor. and well, Yes, help them. But right now she's bringing worship. Totally messes with him. Totally annoys him. He had control of the finances and his greed meant, hang on a minute, I thought the last three years were heading this direction. I've realised these guys are going a completely different way. And Judas decides to wind up the windows, crank the aircon, crank the music and double down. I'm going this way though. And he portrays Jesus. Gives him up. Greed and control. So easy to get on that lane. We love control. Let's continue. So Judas, just completely shattered by this moment before the cross, realizing he's going a completely different direction. Let me continue on. While they were eating, Jesus took bread. They're in this upper room. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to the disciples, saying, take it, this is my body. Then he took the cup and he given thanks and he gave it to them, saying, drink it, drink from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many, he said to them. Truly, I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. You will fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will scatter. But after I've risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, always Peter, even if all fall away, I will not. <laughs> Peter always first to comment. Truly I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster cries, crows twice, you yourself would disown me three times. But Peter insisted him, emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all others said the same. My next road, this Easter, as we reflect inwardly, pride and ego. Peter. Peter's had a pretty good run. He's had some moments. He did get called Satan when he got a bit lippy with Jesus, tried to tell Jesus what to do. But he's walked on water. He's been called the little rock of the church. He's about as close as you can get. I want you to realise this this morning. If you're sitting there going, I couldn't possibly ever get onto one of these highways. Maybe, but maybe reflective, the 12 disciples can. People that saw miracles. People that have seen the dead raised already. Not Jesus yet. But here he is. I'm good. I'm great. Pride and ego. I don't need any help. I would never make another mistake. I'm good. Do you remember Jesus? Remember the walking on water? I did that. And so he's just going down the south m one. And he's meant to be going back to Brisbane. No idea. He'll find out soon. No idea. He's just cruising. Pride and ego. So easy. So easy. Greed, control, pride, ego. It's so easy. This is not a guilt sermon this morning. It's so easy. Just get into cruise control, think you're going the right way and realise you're just controlling the whole thing. Or you're doing pretty well, so you think, I could not possibly, nothing in my life needs to be turned around perhaps. He's heading down a dangerous road. I'll continue. They went to a place, this is after supper, they've eaten, they've gone out and they go to Gethsemane. And Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here a while while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be so deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said to them, stay here and keep watch. He's pleading with them. Stay with me. This is a, going to be a big, big night. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible the hour might pass from him. I love that picture. I know so many of us Christians have been Christians for a long time. We're scared to even kneel or scared to do anything. Jesus here. It's just fall. It says he falls to the ground in prayer. On his knees. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed, if possible that the hour might pass from me. Abba, which means dad, daddy, father, he said. Everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what, not what I will, but what you will will, or what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, <laughs> you were asleep. Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the, fresh, the flesh is weak. There's four of these, by the way, if you're wondering. My third one, comfort and flesh. Speaking of highways or little back roads we get onto and we don't realise, think this one's a big one for the West. Comfort and flesh. If you read through the Gospels, you'll notice the disciples are not always thinking about where their next meal is going. They're not worried that they've fought, they've... Past seven different exits, they're just worried about where the next drive-through Maccas is going to be because they're hungry. So distracted by their comfort and flesh, they can't even stay awake. I think today's, it's an easy remark to say, but I think today's version would be he came back and they were still scrolling on TikTok. That's my little relevant one for all you young guys and girls. I'm still relevant. Got a man bun? Know what TikTok is? So they're scrolling through Instagram, or the rest of us looking through Facebook. And so they're, they're scrolling or they're sleeping. They're just distracted. It's about them, even when he pleads to them. How many of us this morning, as we just approach and stop and pause, perhaps we're just, we've forgotten about all this. Forgotten maybe about what Jesus has asked us to do. Forgotten about him. We don't dislike him. None of that. It's not a. We're just we're distracted. Comfort. Our desires. So easy to get on that road and not even know. Again, aircon's up. Head to the next drive-through Maccas. All is good, and we might be going the exact wrong way. So at least it's easy for me. Completely easy for me. Comfort and flesh. That's a big one. The spirit is willing, willing, but the flesh is weak. Final few passages as we unpack this Easter story. Just as he was speaking, Judas, one of the 12, we know Judas, he's appeared with him with a crowd and armed with swords and clubs sent from the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders, Now the betrayer has arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man, arrest him, and lead him away under guard. Going at once to Jesus, Judas said, Rabbi, and kissed him. The man seized Jesus and arrested him. Then one of those standing near, I love this, one of those standing near drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. That means, take that in, that means that disciple, has been holding a knife or a sword the entire story, the entire gospel, it's likely this guy was ready for battle the entire time. Take that in when you think about these lovely, when you see those lovely sort of white, Jesus in white, clean robes, fishing with fishermen. It's just not accurate. One, he was Middle Eastern. Two, these are rough guys. These are the type of guys that are carrying swords. They are ready to take down the empire. These were, this, was, this was very real. And these were very real people. It wasn't a fairy tale. It was very real people. People carrying swords ready to take this down and thought Jesus was on board. Am I leading a rebellion, said Jesus? Have you come out with swords and clubs to capture me? Every day I was with you teaching in the temple courts and you did not arrest me. But the scriptures must be fulfilled. Then everyone deserted him, bet they did, and fled. A young man wearing nothing but a linen garment was following Jesus. When they seized him, he fled naked, leaving his garment behind. Everybody ran pretty fast. Agenda. We kind of explored, Adam helped us explore this last week when we looked at Palm Sunday. The road we can get on is, I reckon, sometimes we get on this road and we think Jesus is in the passenger seat with us. We say, Jesus, we're going this way if that's all right. Can you make that happen because you're God? This is a classic one. I like these things, therefore Jesus must like these things. I want comfort, therefore Jesus is going to be my way to get comfort. I want greed, therefore Jesus, jump in. Let's make some money. (laughs) Let's accumulate some stuff. Let's get some status. Such An easy mistake to make that Jesus is somewhat your cosmic butler your wish granting genie we even do this for religious purposes we even say I like it this way I think it needs to be this way or I don't like it when people do this therefore Jesus doesn't like that therefore Jesus likes these things only we may even look at other churches and God, I don't really like what they do. Surely Jesus doesn't approve of that. And I'm not talking actual obvious sin. I'm just talking style choices or ways they do ministry. I think Jesus happens to only like hundred percent of the things Burley Heads Church Christ does. <laughs> Very convenient. I hope he does. I <laughs> hope he likes ninety percent. We try. But likely the pastor down the road is also, and the church down the road is trying as well. God's a bit bigger. I always say, I've said this before, not always, I say this before, if God likes all the same things you like, if he has all the same hobbies, if he has all the same dislikes, if you and him are just the same, then you're possibly worshipping just a bigger version of yourself. And not God. God's going to disagree with you. God's going to have some things that are bigger, wider, deeper to say about some of your choices. Because he's God, I want a God like that, right? If God's just as big as us, then yeah, then literally God help us. What's the agenda? What have you placed on God maybe this year, coming up to Easter? Again, not guilt. We'll get to this in a moment why it's not guilt. It's just a reflection. Think about maybe you've got on the wrong road and you've got just chucked Jesus in the passenger seat and said, come on, we're going this way. Instead of saying, jump in, where are you driving us? Agenda. This guy, and helped by the chief priest, helped by biblical, a misunderstanding of Old Testament literature, Torah, he thought Jesus was there to take down the empire. He thought Jesus was there to free them in a literal sense. Funny thing is, Jesus did do that in a literal sense, but not with a sword. Not in the way he was expecting. He had his agenda and he just realized, hang on, I think after three years with Jesus, I'm on the wrong lane in this one. Cuts off his ear. All right, my final part of the scripture this morning. They took Jesus to the high priest. Mark fourteen fifty three. And all the chief priests, the elders and the teachers of the law came together. People followed him at a distance right into the courtyard of the high priest. Then he sat with the guards and warned them at the fire. The chief priests and the whole thing were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death. But they did not find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Then some stood up and gave the false testimony against him. We heard him say, I will destroy the temple and made with human hands. In three days, I will rebuild another, not made with hands. Yet even then, their testimonies did not agree with each other. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Again, the high priest asked him, are you the Messiah? Are you the son of the blessed one? I am, said Jesus. And you will see the son of man sitting at the right hand of the mighty one and coming on the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. They're dramatic, the high priest. (laughs) Tore his clothes. Why do we need any more witnesses? He asked. You have heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They all condemned him as worthy of death, and then some began to spit at him. They blindfolded him, struck him with their fists, and said, prophesy, and the guards took him and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came. When she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said, but he denied it. I don't know what Or understand what you're talking about, he said. And he went out into the entryway. When the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, This fellow, he's one of them. Again, he denied it. After a little while, those standing near to Peter, surely you are one of them, for you are uh, are a Galilean. He began to call down curses. He began to call down curses and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the rooster crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Behold, the rooster crows twice. You will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. This morning, it's always embarrassing when I find out I've been going the wrong way. I'm embarrassed. I think things like, why can't you concentrate a little bit better, Steve? This is a thing that Mez always talks about while you're driving. But it's more embarrassing to realize that you've just placed agenda, maybe greed, maybe something completely different on Jesus, maybe you've forgotten about him altogether. It's a little bit embarrassing, it has a sting to it. That's why we need moments like this. This is why we have communion every week. This is why we have moments to reflect and go, perhaps I've gone the wrong way this week. Perhaps the last few years, perhaps your lifetime, you've been speeding down the wrong side of the highway, pursuing something different. Peter was extremely blessed in that moment. He didn't know this, but he was extremely blessed. Because he happened to fall to his knees, realise who he was, look inwards, realise the man, the direction he was going in front of the greatest opportunity of all time. He didn't realise, he, real, he didn't realise that he was breaking down in front of the exit ramp. At which, in there, happens to be burly heads, it's a good one. But for you, this... While we were all sinners, Christ died for us. I don't know where you've been this week, this year, this decade. I don't know if you are scared to turn it around and even ask. I don't know if the aircon's on. Music is getting louder and louder and louder and louder because if you dare stop for a moment, you might realise that you're empty, that you're unfulfilled, that the direction you're going is leading to death and destruction. This is the difference between Peter and Judas. Poor Judas. Imagine we could have read a story where Judas came through the money at Jesus' feet and said, "I I am so sorry. We know Jesus. If you've read the Bible, if you're in relationship with him, you know the type of response he would give to Judas upon repentance. But Judas doesn't make that opportunity known. He doubles down. Peter is blessed because at that moment he doesn't realise but God is creating an exit ramp. God's son Jesus came to die, to free you, give you a way out. We've talked about a hamster wheel on Easter before. This absolutely smashed the hamster wheel. This representation of that hamster wheel of control, agenda, empire, greed. Jesus goes ahead and dies on it and ruins the whole thing for the Roman Empire, for Satan. And gives you freedom, gives you an exit ramp through him to say, I'm going to have to do a Yui. Do you know, do you know that? Do you know repentance means turning around? Or, let me translate it, for us Aussies, chucking a Yui. This morning, that's it. The invitation this morning is for your whole life, for part of your life, for aspects of your life. As you reflect this morning, where does God want you to chuck a yui? You can either double down and head towards death and destruction or turn around and head towards hope, life, truth, restoration. God knows who you are. He loves you. He died for you. He wants to offer you life now and eternally and we're going to celebrate that. Don't worry, we're going to celebrate that Sunday. But before that, there's that embarrassing moment. Oh no, I'm almost at Brunswick Heads and I'm meant to be at Kenmore. I'm so embarrassed. I'm going to have to get off the exit ramp and turn around, Chucky Yui and start heading in the right direction with Jesus. In fact, Jesus, you can drive. That's where we're at this morning. That's the invitation this morning. So what we're going to do now, Nicole's going to play some music for us. And we have this, some little notepads here. Nothing magic about notepads. This isn't the actual cross from Jerusalem. There's nothing about that. But it's what it represents. It's what it represents in here. It's that physical way of saying I'm chucking a UE on this stuff. And so I'll get you to write stuff down. I'm not going to secretly file it. We don't have cameras at the back where I'm videoing you and so I can know your sins. None of that rubbish. It's okay if you don't do this. Can I encourage you to consider it though? Come along here in your own time this morning. There's actually no finishing time for this service. We're just going to let you go now and just spend some time with God and maybe Chucky, yui on a few things in your life to say hey God I've gone the wrong way it's so embarrassing maybe you've been a Christian for like 700 years and you're like I can't believe I still struggle with this God knows he's given you an exit ramp he died for that he's created a way back to him it's not for just new Christians and if you are considering Jesus what a perfect time we're doing baptisms on Sunday if that's you if that's, if that's something that stirred this morning come have a chat to me We can make that happen on Sunday. We'd love to make that happen. A representation of doing a massive Yui with your entire life. So come and write something down. You don't even have to write a whole paragraph. It can be cryptic. It's okay. Can I tell you what I'm going to write? Then I'm going to pray. Because unfair for me to make you stick it up there if I'm not even prepared. So I was actually talking last night. I said I'm at Pottsville. A bunch of the dads of a couple of our families up there down there this morning. I said, since fellas, I believe none of you are going to get up early enough to come down to church this morning. I said, I'm going to bring church to you. And we sat around and I said, what's one thing you would put up there? And the dad spoke about their phone when they're around the kids. They're embarrassed at how much they're using their phone as a distraction. One of the other dads talked about he'll check his emails because it's an easy win for him. He solves problems for a living. He can solve problems, but he doesn't know what to do with his family. They're, not as, they're a bit more nuanced. <laughs> it's a bit more complex. So rather than spending time with his family, he'll go check emails because he can solve that. He can control that. He said, I want to do a Yui. And I want to do this with God. And I know God can speak into his family. For me, I said, with my work, with life, I said, I feel like, I tell you what I said to them. I said, I feel like I'm becoming a grumpy dad. May not seem like this morning, me using words like TikTok and hair bun, might be seem relaxed, but I feel like with stresses in life, I feel like when my kids see me, I'm just grumpy. I feel like I'm heading down that direction, where I'm just stressed, dad. Grumpy about something, dad. And I said to them, I just, I need to chuck a yui on this. I want God to help me be a non-anxious presence. When my kids are around me. I'm not, go to your rooms, quickly go to bed. It's bedtime, it's time for bed. And rush through that. It's cool, let's read a book. I love you, because I do, I love them. But the stress of life, the control of life, my agenda needs to die this morning so I can become that non-anxious presence with my kids and my family and with you guys. My church family. I don't want to be that grumpy dad. I want to be that loving, presence, dad like my heavenly father. So that's what I'll be putting up. If you see Grumpy Dad, you're like, that's Steve's one. If you see another Grumpy Dad, then someone's related. <laughs> but Grumpy Dad needs to die. Let me pray. Nicole's gonna come up. And then that concludes our service. But you're know, when you come on up, grab a pen and nail it to that cross because he died for it. It's done. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for the reminder of the cross. It's a brutal reminder. It's an ancient, devastating form of public torture redeemed through you dying on it as a symbol for hope. We wear this torture device around our neck. We carry that hope. I don't know what it is for us this morning. I don't know if it's addiction. I don't know if it's phone technology, technology. I don't know if it's our vices. I don't know if it's our control. Maybe we've got some serious health stuff going on and we're just holding on control because we're afraid to let it go to you. Maybe it's the post-COVID stress and financial situation of the world. We think somehow we can control that and we need to give it to you. Father, whatever direction we've just found ourselves in this morning, speak to us. It's embarrassing, there's a sting, we're sorry, really sorry, can't believe we've got this far down this road, but this morning I just pray you died so that you'd make a way for us to have life. Let us not let this opportunity pass this morning, I just pray you speak to us now, convict us if need be. Help us to repent and walk out of here a little lighter or a lot lighter, ready to celebrate the Christ that doesn't just die, but rises again. In Jesus' name, amen.